We've been looking at this issue of influence and being an influencer and saying that, at least in some respect, we're all influencers. Uh, We all uh, have the ability to shape, uh, even change the way people view the world, the the way uh, people think about the world, uh, even belief systems. We're all influencers. This This is a time of year that I try to influence people. Uh, I try to influence people to like candy corn because I think it's great. And I don't understand how people don't like candy corn. I'm not getting very far with this influence. And I, I try to influence people this time of year to start listening to Christmas music on November 1st. Right? Why save it? You with me? I got one. Why save it? Put up your Christmas tree before Thanksgiving. It's not a sin to do that. It's okay to do that. Right? So we all use influence in different ways. Right? We we, we have different uh, uh, issues that we want to be an influencer. Uh, So so that's that's why we've looked at, over the last couple of weeks, different ways that we might influence people. Uh, we looked at Deborah and saw that through her initiative, through, through her leadership, being out front, saying, follow me, I'm going to go first, follow me, and rallying people to a cause, uh, Deborah was an influencer. We looked at the life of David, who influenced through his integrity. And the message of his life was that just because your environment changes, just because your circumstances change, just because you're in a completely new place than you've ever been before, doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your character. You don't have to give in to the culture that's trying to squeeze you into its mold. Paul would talk about that in the New Testament. And, and then last week, we looked at an Old Testament character named Hannah, who influenced very much behind the scenes. Uh, she influenced through prayer. We said that Hannah uh, had the least power and the most pain in that story, the most brokenness, the most trauma in that story. And yet she was the most powerful in that story, not because of her, but because she prayed, because she called on a God that was truly powerful, like we sang earlier, mighty, strong. And Hannah appeals to that God, and she ends up influencing the entire history of the nation of Israel, Israel, the the entire history of God's people. And so we have these different forms of influence. We're all going to influence differently. All of those are important. But I think, this may be a little subjective, I I think the the form of influence we're going to talk about today is the most needed at this time. You know how, how certain forms of influence, certain approaches to influence are more important given the specific times that you're in. When, when you were a kid, you knew that you had to approach dad one way and you had to approach mom a different way. Right? You know mom had a favorite child and dad had a favorite and they never said that. But in the back of your mind, you always knew. And so... When you wanted to influence mom and dad, who did you send, right? You sent the favorite child. You talked about the language that they would use. How are we going to do this? We know this, right? Husbands and wives, you know there's certain times that you ask certain questions. There's other times you get out of the way. You don't bring it up because you're not going to have any influence. In relationships, 
Same way. In the work environment, you have these very same discussions, don't you? you when, when you want the day off, can we, can we go home early? Can we make this change? The conversation is you should go ask. She likes you, right? You should go ask. He'll let you We know that there are certain times and certain approaches that work better when it comes to influencing in certain seasons. We're in a season where there is a specific type of influence that we need. And one of the reasons we need it is because it's in such short supply. Demand is great. Supply is short. We understand the whole supply-demand issue. Right? Remember back at the beginning of the pandemic, you couldn't find toilet paper. Right? It was just crazy. Uh, shelves were bare. There's no toilet paper. Toilet paper is what everybody's talking about. And now because of supply lines and, and shipping problems, we're starting to have some of those same problems. Some of them never went away. Uh, I, I heard uh, just a few weeks ago that uh, Costco is now limiting again the amount of toilet paper that you can buy, which it's Costco. So that means instead of buying 10,000 rolls, you can only buy 5,000 rolls, right? But, but they're, they're starting this whole rationing aspect again. Why? Supply and demand. We, we can't get enough in, and so we're having to limit how much you can take. Um, for about a week on the radio, the, the message was, if you're, if you're going to buy presents for Christmas, and who isn't going to buy presents for Christmas, you need to buy them early because shipping issues are going to be a problem. And if you see the video game, the toy that you want or your kid wants, you need to buy it now because there are going to be real problems the closer that we get to Christmas. And maybe that's just a strategy that stores use to get us to buy more stuff. I don't know. I just know this is the messaging right now. We're going to run into supply issues, so you better get started Early, there's microchip shortages, semiconductor shortages, and everything we use has a computer in it, right? So cars are feeling the effect. Video games are feeling the effect. We're having all of this reaction to supply-demand issues, shortages. We don't have enough. I've talked to some of you, and in your business, you're experiencing this. You can't get what you need to do your job, right? Cargo ships are off the coast of California. They can't get into port because there's not enough people to unload them. The whole worker issue. All of that is adding up to this supply-demand issue. We can't get stuff from point A to point B. Everybody's behind. When there is a high demand and a low supply, then you have kind of this anxious feeling this this kind of panic of what's going on and and what's what's happening now the 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 issue of influence that I'm going to talk about today there is a supply demand issue but it's not because this item is scarce there's actually plenty of it The, the problem is it's not being given away right now Whenever you have supply-demand issues, one of the problems you have, one of the reasons you have to ration is because people are hoarding, right? People are buying too much toilet paper. More toilet paper than any human could possibly use. People are storing up because they're afraid, right? So you have to start rationing because people start holding on to it. 
we're in a season where I, I think this particular example of influence, so many people are just holding on to it. When, when they could give it away. And, and it wouldn't even cost them anything to give it away. It, it wouldn't impact them to give it away. It would greatly impact the person they were giving it to. But because there's so much anxiety in our world and, and fear and, and conflict, everybody seems to be holding on to this particular type of influence. So, so what is it? What is this type of influence that I'm talking about? It is the influence of encouragement. The fact that you can influence people, you can impact people's lives, their perspective, how they see the world, how they see themselves, how they go about living their life with a word of encouragement. You can have an unbelievable influence. If we went around, if we, if we told everybody, you got to stand up and you got to tell us who has encouraged you, probably everybody here could give one or more stories. All of us have somebody in our mind that when we were a kid, when we were a teenager, we were a young adult, we were newly married, uh, we had just been divorced, we had whatever stage of our life we were in, somebody stepped into that moment and offered encouragement, and you remember that moment because it changed you, right? You remember that moment because you went from thinking, I can't, to thinking, well, maybe I can. Maybe I do have what it takes. Maybe I should be hopeful. Maybe it is possible. I bet everybody in this room has moments in their life where someone spoke a word of encouragement to you and everything changed. Some of us, I'm one of them, some of us have a card or a letter or multiple cards, multiple letters that came at the right time and spoke into a broken, hurting place in our life and we kept it because it changed us. It influenced us. Somebody thought of us and, and they communicated words of encouragement to us and it changed us. And just like we've all been influenced by encouragement, we all have the ability to influence somebody else with encouragement. We, we all have that ability. It doesn't take a special skill. You don't have to have a special talent to encourage somebody. Like anybody can do that. You, you, you don't have to be this huge leader. You, you don't have to be a great communicator. Uh, you, you don't have to be type A, charge the hill. You don't have to be that person. You, anybody can offer words of encouragement, and the words of encouragement have so much influence over people. And yet, we're living at a time when it is in short supply. And I think one of the reasons it's in short supply is very few of us are getting it and so we're not giving it. I, and, I, and I understand. I totally get that. You know, the world that we live in, we're, we're much more prone to arguing with each other, having conflict with each other, proving something to each other, rather than offering words of encouragement. Therefore, few of us are getting this type of influence in our life, and so we feel like we can't give it. And, or, or, or we're afraid... We don't want to give it too much. 
It's like it's this precious metal, which it is a precious metal, but, but we treat it like it's this precious metal that if I give this to somebody, it's all going to be gone. But that's not true, is it? I mean, like you could encourage somebody today, and then you could actually encourage somebody tomorrow too. Like there would still be more encouragement that you could give. You can encourage somebody this morning at church and 2 o'clock this afternoon if you're, if you're in a situation where somebody needs encouragement. There's more encouragement you could hand out. It's not this finite resource that I have to hoard and ration or, or think, well, if I'm too encouraging, then, you know, then they won't work on the issues that they need to be working on. They'll think they're too good. We are in a world that is starving encouragement and so many of us and, and, and maybe not intentionally maybe it's not a conscious thought that we're saying oh I don't want to encourage but just as we go about our, our, our day there's so many other things distracting us that we don't ever get to this when it comes to encouragement and this rationing supply demand idea you and I need to accept that there is an endless supply of encouragement once you start giving it away. Endless supply. You can just give more and give more and give more and there'll be more to come and more to come and more than you could say and more people that you could encouragement and people need it right now. Here's what, here's what we know. I'm going to say it, but surely you know this. Almost every person you meet right now is tired. And I know we say that a lot. How are you? Oh, I'm tired. I know we say that a lot. But the reality is almost every person you meet right now is tired on some level. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's relational. On some level, most people on multiple levels are just exhausted right now. People are overwhelmed right now. Have you noticed this? Just overwhelmed. There, there's anxiety, and we try to beat it back. But there's, there's so much that's uncertain right now about the present, about the future. People are anxious. People are worried. People are overwhelmed. People are battling insecurities. Nobody wants to admit that, right? But come on, most of us are, we're pretty insecure deep down. Most people are battling insecurities. They're battling frustrations. They're battling discouragement. Some people are battling depression. Some people are battling to just to maintain mental health right now. Almost every person you lock eyes with on any given day is in an encouragement deficit right now. Because life has been so unpredictable and so hard, sickness and even death have been painfully close to almost everybody you meet. Almost everybody. Almost everybody has some story about the last couple of years and heartache and heartbreak that they've experienced. Every person you see on any given day needs encouragement. Every person, no exceptions. Every person you see, every person you interact with needs encouragement. Right? You're not going to start encouraging somebody tomorrow and they go, oh, you know, I've, got, I've had enough of that. Not really. Like I'm tapped out, whole encouragement thing. I, got, I get so much of that. 
You're not going to meet anybody. You're never going to have that conversation. Because our souls crave encouragement. Our, our hearts, especially during this season, especially given everything that we've been through, just a word of hope, a word of encouragement, a word of belief. And you can do that. Every single one of you. The sticker says, I am an influencer. And if you haven't been convinced of that during the series, I'm telling you right now, you can be an influencer if you're willing to encourage people. There's a person in the New Testament, and this is primarily what he's known for. That he was this constant encourager. His story's woven in and out of the book of Acts, which is the fifth book of the New Testament. That second section of the book uh, starts with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. If you want to find us, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 in just a moment. But this, he, he's, he's kind of in some ways a small player. He's not like Paul and Peter. He's not like one of the really big ones. He didn't write any books in the New Testament. But um, he's, he's, he's just kind of a shadow player. He's, he's kind of a second string player. Th this is what the Bible says in Acts 4, beginning in verse 32. All the believers, this is, let me catch you up on church history. This is, Jesus has lived and died and risen again, and he's gone back to heaven, all right? So Jesus isn't on the earth right here. But the church is being birthed. The church is growing, right? He left the, the mission of the kingdom of God with his people, the church, and churches are being planted all around the region. All the believers uh, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Uh, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So the grace of God is so evident in them that whenever they saw somebody uh, that had a need and, and they could meet the need, they just met it, right? They, they sold something and said, here, this will help you get by. There was this generosity among God's people this self-sacrificial mentality among God's people that they made sure everybody was cared for. So that's the general idea. Then Luke, who writes the book of Acts, he gives us a specific example. Here's a specific example. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. All right, general practice. And then I want you to know about this one guy. His name was, his name was Joseph, but they didn't call him Joseph. He had a nickname, um, and his nickname was, was Barnabas. Now, two rules of nicknames. Number one, you can't give yourself a nickname, right? Anybody have a nickname? Did you have a nickname growing up? Maybe, maybe you still have it. Okay, number one, you can't give yourself your own nickname. Anybody who's watched Seinfeld knows this, right? Rule number one from Seinfeld, you cannot give yourself a nickname. Rule number two, a nickname has to describe something about you, 
right? It has to fit your character or your something physically about, even, even if it's ironic, right? Even if it describes you ironically, I've never met someone with the nickname Tiny who was tiny, right? But still, you know what they mean. Ironically, we're describing he's not tiny, so we call him tiny. So two rules, can't give yourself a nickname. Number two, it has to describe you in some way. And the nickname Barnabas meets both of those rules. The apostles called him this, because he was just this incredible encourager. It gave him a name which means son of encouragement. He just does this. He just encourages people. He shows up in people's lives and they feel differently. They feel differently about themselves. They feel differently about God. They they feel differently about their faith. And he did this so consistently that the apostles said, we're just going to call you that. Just an encouragement to people. Acts chapter 11, there's this great movement of God in a place called Antioch. And the believers in Jerusalem want somebody to go there and kind of fan the flames of that revival. They, they want somebody to just encourage them. Yeah, keep going. Go, God. Let's, let's see how many people will come to know Jesus. And they send Barnabas because they know when he gets there, he's going to be a great encouragement. This is uh, how it's described. Chapter 11, verses 22 and 23. News of this, uh, news of this revival that was starting, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God has done, he was glad and, here's the word, encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas gets there and says, look, I just, I just want to encourage you guys. Just go, keep it up. Follow God with your whole heart. Give everything to him. Don't hold anything back. Don't be sort of in and and sort of out and can't make up your mind. I just want to encourage you to be fully devoted to the things of God. Which, which, side note, I mean, that's why what we're doing this morning is so important, right? Because we need people who will encourage us to be fully devoted to the things of God. To keep our our passions pure for the work of God in our lives. We need people who will speak that into our lives. Who will speak those words of encouragement into our our lives. That's part of what we do here. That's part of what we do in small groups. That's part of what we do in our volunteer ministries. To say to one another, thank you. I appreciate you so much. Let me encourage you to keep following after the Lord, you, you know it's true. It is easier to be fully devoted to God when people are encouraging you in that way. Right? Some of us have lived parts of our lives, maybe a lot of our lives in environments where we weren't encouraged in the things of God. And maybe we stayed true to God, but it was a lot harder. Like it is so much easier to be fully devoted to the Lord when people are encouraging us. Let's be honest. It's easier to do anything when somebody's encouraging us. Whatever it is you do, it is so much easier when people are cheering for you. It's, it's easier to be a student when somebody's cheering for you, right? It's, it's easier to do your job when there are people who work with you or, or people who are supervising you, who are encouraging you. It's easier to get through the day. It's easier to manage life. It is easier to do everything when someone is encouraging you. 
Now, right after that description of Barnabas, he shows up, he encourages people. The next thing that Luke says is, he, Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He was a good man, which he means not just his character was good, but he had this good impact on other people. The effect of who he was, was a benefit to other people. He was good on the inside, he had a good character, but his life had this great impact on the people around him because he was an encourager. Isn't that what you say about the people who encourage you? Boy, they're such good people. Man, they're good people. Not just they do the right thing, but their impact on me is a good thing. And don't you want people to say that about you? When you leave the room, when you're, when you're not present, don't you want them to say, man, they're, they're so good. They have such a profound impact on me. And they speak such good things into me. That was Barnabas. He was a good man and, Luke says, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Revival starting. God's moving. Barnabas shows up. He starts encouraging the people, starts rallying them. God is with us. God's going to do great things. You're being faithful. Thank you. Starts encouraging everybody. And Luke says, and it's like all these people came to know the Lord. I, I've, I don't know anybody. It, it, it could happen. I don't know anybody who has come to know the Lord because they were shamed into coming to know the Lord. I don't know anybody whose heart is fully devoted to God. Like they're just passionate for the things of God because somebody embarrassed them about something in their life. I find shame to be a pretty weak motivator for most people, maybe for all people. Shame is just a really weak motivator. You know what a strong motivator is? Encouragement. Encouragement. Maybe it's you. Maybe there's somebody out there. I've just never met anybody who said, you know, there's this person and they just shame me every time we are together. And I just love being with them. It's just a, I invite him over to dinner, like we get to dessert, and I say, come on, really shame me. Come on, embarrass me, humiliate me more, call me names. I don't know anybody like that. I know lots of people who seek out opportunities to be with somebody who's an encouragement in their life. Like they find ways. Let's have coffee, let's go to dinner, let's vacation together, let's, you want to move next to me, right? right? We, we want that person in our lives. Shame's a really weak motivator for anything, certainly spiritually. Do we think the people who don't know Jesus, aren't interested in religion, don't, don't come to church, don't worship, haven't had an encounter with God, do, do we think we can shame them into a relationship with Jesus? Because we can't. Shame's just not a motivator spiritually or personally at all. Here's, here's something else I know. We, we will influence more people through our encouragement than we will through our opinions. Have you noticed this? We will influence more people through our encouragement than we will through our opinions. We like sharing our opinions. We like everybody knowing our opinions. We like everybody adopting our opinions. It's just that opinions don't give you a lot of influence over people. Encouragement gives you a lot of influence with people. 
in a season of time when everybody has an opinion, what people need is encouragement. Same thing. I, I don't. I don't meet people on a weekly basis. I, I don't hear from people who get up in the morning and say, man, I just hope somebody shares their opinion with me today. I just, man, that would make my day. If I, I would love to know how somebody feels about feeling, I'm not going to name any because then I'll have to argue with somebody afterwards. You know, whatever the thing is, I just hope, I just wish somebody would tell me their opinion. I'm telling you, they may not think this, But the state of where we are in people's life, people get up every day hoping that somebody will encourage their heart that day. Most people people get up and they would love to hear somebody speak a word that is true of them. Speak a word about how God feels about them. How he loves them. That God has purposes in their life. What, What we see in them There are people that drag themselves out of bed every day and need somebody to say that to them. Um, Barnabas, he didn't just have these kind of occasional moments of encouragement. When we read Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 11, we weren't just catching Barnabas on a good day. You don't get the nickname son of encourager, encouragement by just having a random good day. This was consistently who Barnabas was. Uh, if you remember uh, the apostle Paul, who was Saul, and, and he murdered Christians, uh, imprisoned, beat, uh, was present when they were killed. He, he attacked. It was his goal to stamp out Christians and churches completely. So it was quite uh, startling when Paul suddenly follows Christ. This is what happens in Acts 9. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Of course they were. He's been killing all the disciples up to this point. Not believing that he really was a disciple. They thought he was kidding or I thought he thought he was uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing sort of thing but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus right so Paul shows up Saul and says hey look I'm on your side now and the rest of the disciples say no you're not You be on somebody else's side. We don't want you on our side. And Barnabas says, I got you, Paul. Like, guys, he's for real. I'm with him. I'm going to stand with him. I'm going to go with him. Barnabas and Paul go on missionary journey. They plant churches. They, They suffer imprisonment together. They share the gospel. People come to know Jesus because there was this moment when nobody wanted anything to do with Paul and Barnabas said, no, I, I see God at work in this guy. And I'm going to put myself out for him. We would not have most of the New Testament possibly had Barnabas had, if Barnabas had not shown up in Paul's life. If Paul had been allowed to stay on the outside, continue to be rejected, 
But Barnabas says, no, he's one of us. I see God at work in him. Paul, I'm going to go with you. I believe in what God is doing in you. I believe in you enough that I'm going to go with you. I'm going to stand with you. Right? This wasn't just kind of a, a one-off for Barnabas. This just wasn't just a good day. Barnabas didn't occasionally encourage people. Barnabas was an encourager. He, he didn't occasionally encourage people. It's just who he was. And, and we may have to start with the occasional encouragement. We may have to build up to being an encourager. But what we see in his life is that consistently, day after day, he was an encourager. Some of you know the story. On that, on that trip, a guy named Mark, he's actually Barnabas' cousin, uh, Mark bails and goes back home. So they're getting ready to go on the second trip. And Barnabas says, hey, why don't we take Mark with us? And Paul says, nope. I'm done with him. I don't want anything to do with him. And Barnabas says, okay, I think I'm going to stay here with him. I think he needs me. I'm going to stay with him. And Paul, you go, bless, I bless you. I send you out. I want you to go do what God's calling you to do. But I need to stay with this brother who's hurting. I need to hang with him because he's not going to recover unless some people step into his life and start speaking words of encouragement to him. This is who he was. He looked for people who needed encouragement. That's who we're to be. That's who we're to be. People who influence, to encourage. I want to be that person. Right? I, I struggle sometimes to be that person. I have, I, I think, two struggles when it comes to this. Maybe there's a lot more, and I'm not aware of them. I have, I have two big struggles personally when it comes to encouragement. And one is because I'm always looking at whatever next problem needs to be solved, I sometimes have trouble being in the present with whatever problem we just solved. Like we just fixed something. But in my mind, there's an endless list of problems that need to be solved. And so, yay, we solved that one, but there's five more we need to be solving. And, and so because of how that affects me as an encourager is, man, there, there are people that I do life with and I serve with and I work with and I'm already bouncing to four more problems without saying, man, thank you for what you did in this moment. Right? That whole problem solver thing for me is a hindrance. For me, the, the, the other struggle that I see in me is I often think I'm an encourager but I never say it to the other person, right? So in my mind, I'm really grateful for what they did. In my mind, they're awesome. But it stays in my mind and it never comes out of my mouth. And so they never benefit from the fact that I think they're awesome. But I mean, in, in order for someone to feel encouraged, we have to say it, right? We have to verbalize our encouragement. To, we have to put it down on a piece of paper, and that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll think, man, I'm so thankful for them. I'm so encouraged by them. I'm so grateful, but it stays up here. You know, like cargo floating on a ship off the coast of California. It doesn't actually get delivered to where it needs to get delivered. I want to I be this person. Because the world needs this person people that you and I meet every day, they need this type of person. We, we interact every day with people who are like 
dry sponges. You have, do you ever have that one sponge that you haven't used for a month and it's crusty and, and, and just sitting there, right? Because there's no moisture. I think, I think that's how a lot of people feel right now. And just a squeeze of encouragement, just a drop of encouragement would change so much about their dynamic. And we could be that. And I totally understand that sometimes it's hard to be that when we aren't receiving that. But this has got to start somewhere. We've got to be those people, even at times when we aren't receiving that level of encouragement ourselves. I read a tweet by Dane Orland. He's an author uh, this past Thursday. He tweeted, encouragement is the engine oil that keeps the gears of our relationships from gunking up and grinding down. Sincere, specific words, face-to-face, such power. Such power. You have that power. You hold that power. I hold that power that we could unleash. We could give away to other people if we'll just choose to influence through encouragement. Let's pray. With your, with your eyes closed, before I pray, would you just get the face, the name of one person that you know right now could use some encouragement. Somebody in your life, somebody you're going to see this week, tomorrow maybe, maybe today. You just commit to offer a word of encouragement to that person. God, we live in a time that is starved for encouragement. Everybody we meet is tired, overwhelmed, stressed, insecure, Anxious, discouraged maybe, frustrated, perhaps depressed. We live at a time when we could have so much influence if we just spoke words of encouragement to people, just words of life, things that are true, things that are good. Help us not to to minimize the power, the goodness of encouragement. And I know we need it. God, I I pray the people who are here, the people who are watching online, I pray that they feel a sense of your encouragement today, your love for them. I pray you would send people into their lives who would speak words of encouragement to them. But I also pray that they would begin looking for people that they could encourage as well. God, that we make it a practice. That, that we, we, we would be an encourager. And we may have to think about it a little bit at the beginning. It may have to be a little bit of a checklist. Who have I encouraged today? Until we become more of an encourager. Help us to be like Barnabas. Help us to love people. Encourage people. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.